technology may have advanced, but sin remains unchanged. Pure. Greed. Lust. Lies. Betrayal. This new millennium hurtles forward. Faith is lost. Mankind has become a vacuum without morality. So many souls seeking new and darker experiences. Degradation upon degradation, sin after sin. So then those are the souls we shall seek out first. Hello, and welcome to Cheap Scares, the horror movie podcast that has been rebooted for a fifth time with no real guiding star on what to do. I'm your host, Sybil Arnett, this week played by Sybil Arnett, and with me is... I'm David Schneider. Okay, so two questions. Mm Mm-hmm. One, just to... Double check, just making 100% sure. Mm-hmm. You, you said Hellraiser Judgment, right? Yes. 2018. All right. All right. Because uh, I, I think I may have mentioned in the last episode, like, um, I may have said I had watched some of this movie. Turns out I did not. I had seen, I had attempted to watch the other direct-to-video contractually obligated uh hellraiser movie revelations yes which is worse <sighs> that 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 is that is actually worse i think but i'm torn on it but i can see your case it 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 inspired loathing in me much faster let's go with that okay okay question 2 okay you know we could have just watched seven, right? We could have just done that. <sighs> oh, I I would have been okay with it, but we would have enjoyed ourselves. Maybe. Yeah, that's <sighs> true. There's definitely parts of that film I'm, you know, but it's it's pretty grody. Yeah, but it's more of a movie, and um, this week, as mentioned, we covered Hellraiser Judgment, which is the Tenth and thus far final Hellraiser movie. A reboot is in the works, and we will see. I would like to hope it is something fresh. I am also a very dyed-in-the-wool Hellraiser fan, to the point that I do not have to look up, oh no, you meant Revelations, the ninth one, and... Yeah. I I liked Hellraiser a lot. I liked Hellraiser 2 a lot. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed most of the Hellraiser movies that I've seen, even the bad ones. The, this one, maybe not so much. I would say the first two are an unqualified recommend from me. Mm-hmm. The third is wonderful if you want a bit of camp, and it will <laughs> never, ever cease to make me la- stop laughing when I think of CD Head. <laughs> I almost bought the CD head uh, collector bust at one point, which should tell you a lot. I, I want like a whole team of them, like a uh, uh, vinyl head, eight track head. Let me tell you, in the various comics and other adaptations of these movies, they go stupider. Awesome. Betamax head. If you think the films have some nadirs. Let me Ooh. tell you about the comics. 
Ooh, you know what would do some real damage is Laserdisc Head. Laserdisc Head is one of those things <laughs> that I keep thinking happened. And then I look it up to find a picture and it's like, nope, that was that was just a dream you had, Sybil. <laughs> but it really feels real. Anyway, Hellraiser Judgment is, um... I respect what it was trying to do. Okay. It was trying to do something distinct. It wanted to expand and open up the universe, but it feels like the writer wrote fan fiction about this much cooler guy in hell, and, you know, the <laughs> Cenobites could go get fucked. Yeah. Yeah, this did. Yeah. I don't, I don't really have anything to add to that. You're absolutely right. I, 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 would you say he is technically a Cenobite? I don't know what, uh, what causes you to be a Cenobite versus just like a regular hell person. Okay, so I will give you the very brief cliff notes. The Cenobites are members of a religious sect in hell. Okay. They are not all demons, but all of them are demons. Okay, great. Good, good. And so this film decided that it was going to focus on an entirely new branch of hell, and it was going to open by saying that the famous puzzle boxes of the series, the one we usually see being the Lament configuration, are just outdated in a world where we have so many other ways to claim souls, like Pornhub. Now we have this internet. That would have been a much better pun than anything they make. Yeah, no, yeah, no the movie just starts with Pinhead... I, I, wrote, I, I put Pinhead 2, but I guess it was Pinhead 3? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Pinhead three basically complaining that uh, the kids these days can satisfy their cravings with the internet. These damn kids. But also, but then also it's fine because it's still sin. So mm -hmm. he just bounces right back. Whatever. I'm still employed. I'm still. I still look dumb. Okay. I'm just I'm just gonna say it. Mm -hmm. I've never thought Pinhead was cool. He worked well in the first movie as just this weird figurehead, just like hell is here and it's Doug Bradley. Sure. Done. We're good. Oh, Doug Bradley <laughs> carries a lot of that in the first one, and part of it is that just line delivery. Beautiful voice. Because so many lines from the first film are reflected in this one, <laughs> and worse. <laughs> reflected or repeated? Ah, oh, I know what the director would call it. An, an, it's an homage, of course. Um, but yeah, it, it, so that's fine. I'm cool with that. Anytime they try to give him any sort of personality, I, I just roll my eyes. It's just like, oh, and then now Hellraiser 2, I think even they started getting into it. It was like he was a World War II soldier or something. It's just like, ugh, okay. And I, 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 the only thing I heard about the new reboot is just like they're trying to personalize him more. And I'm just like, I don't care. I, I, I don't need that. 
at all. I'm curious, and they're leaning a little more into some of Barker's works that were unadapted, is the current rumor. Okay. So if so, wonderful. I would love to see the Scarlet Gospels on screen. That said, we're also talking about, you know, Barker was uh, less than thrilled with where the movies went with these things and even hated the name Pinhead. He just referred to the character as the Hell Priest or the Priest <laughs> in his novels and never felt that he would deal to Dane to have such a horrendous nickname. It didn't fit his very proper version of the character. It does seem kind of like a, a schoolyard bully nickname. A little bit. Just like, haha, look at that pinhead over there, because he's got nails in him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I I've always wondered, just as as these things go on, if it's just like a John Carpenter situation where uh Clive Barker's just like, just here, give me the check. Go. Um, the Scarlet Gospels, the most recent, I believe, novel involving the character, uh, takes a lot of shots at the films. Okay. <laughs> so, um, we've, we've stalled enough. There's, I could go into a lot of pre-production stories about this. This is a guy who worked on the films for years as a costume designer and makeup artist, getting to now write and direct his own script. He it's, he clearly hmm. aimed high. It's kind of kind of a downgrade if he did the makeup before. Mm-hmm. Kind of a big step back, but I again, well, okay, not again, but uh, the budget of this movie, as reported by uh. Wikipedia here is $350,000. It definitely shows. There's a lot. You need a lot of people to make a movie. So that's just that right there. Mm hmm. <sighs> the other thing is that. While it's clear there was a lot of heart going into this. Mm, I don't know about that. I'll I'll <laughs> give him that. I read some interviews. I looked this up. I don't know how much it would be interesting to someone who is not a fucking nerd. There, there may have, there may have been heart. I, d I don't know about craft. Yeah, well, that's the thing I was going to say. This is barely a film on a lot of technical levels. Uh, the script has major problems. Oh, you don't say. I don't know if you timed. Uh, did you play the game I asked? How long is it until someone says the name of either brother who are the main characters? Uh, I did not actually time it. Uh, so I, I, I kind but by the time they, they did, I just, I didn't care anymore because I already had my own naming scheme, <laughs> which is a big cop, little cop and girl cop. Yeah. Um, to catch anyone up. Two of our main characters are two brother cops who are just described as their family name. At 26 out of 81 minutes, you get one's name. At 31, you get the second. But they're just in a whole bunch of scenes and doing things and just never saying their first names to each other. 
did they actually establish that they're brothers early in the movie? Because I just, I didn't catch that at all until like a full hour in. So it seemed, it seemed like, okay, this is, this is one of those, like it was there. It seemed like it was there as a plot twist, but like one of those plot twists that everybody in the movie knows, but you don't. And if you're going to do that, it has to be so much stupider than that. It has to be like an entire character has been off screen the entire movie and everybody knew about it but you. The only way you know that, because it's the only thing they're addressed by other than detective for, you know, 20 something minutes, is when Lady Cop is introduced to them at the crime scene, she comes in and goes, the Carter brothers. Okay. Just, yeah, that just blew right past me. Yep, because it's the only name you get for them for ages. Okay. Anyway, th- those characters don't get introduced for like 15 minutes into the movie. This is part of the problem. Yeah, let's, let's start with the cold open, which does not have a lot to do with the film itself but does drag on. So we start out with uh, Pinhead having a TED talk with another guy in hell who is basically Pinhead's worst little brother. His name is the Auditor. He's German and he's got a lot of scars on his face. Mm -hmm. And like dumb glasses, I think. Yes, he does have uh, little round sunglasses. Uh, So... Whereas Pinhead is the priest of the Cenobites, the Auditor leads the Stygian Inquisition. I don't actually know if they say that in the name, or in the film. Nope. But his department is basically, what if we made hell very boring? Metaphorical, but boring. And his method... Of course, since the internet is such a big thing, that means that he sends a letter to a guy in the real world to lure him in. Mm -hmm. And so a hobo gets a letter in our world, and it reads, Good evening, Mr. Watkins. We know. We understand and can help. But you must come now before it is too late. Come now. Come to 55 Ludovico Place, alone. You Now. You are... You are underselling the sequence, which is this, sh- this, uh, you don't see this guy's apartment until m- much later in the movie. You just see him sitting against the door. You just see the wall with the door. The letter just falls in. <laughs> just like, a, I, I don't remember if it's, if it's a mail slot or just under the, uh, under the door. Uh, he opens it. And it cuts to one of those uh, one of those shots where somebody is just literally holding the piece of paper directly in front of the camera, mm-hmm. it, and then and it it looks terrible, <laughs> and then it drops and we uh, we see the house, something something Ludovico, something fifty five Ludovico. It is what the original film centered on. And it fucking blew up in the climax. There was this whole second movie where the cops were like, what the hell happened here? Rebuilding it is a choice. 
it's just it's it's a hell house now. It's, it's just where hell is. Yep. Guess guess that's a move. So we continue the speed run of references when Mr. Watkins shows up at the place, and we do not see inside the house. A door merely opens, and we hear a voice say, Ah, Mr. Watkins, we have such sights to show you. I did time that one, and that was two minutes and 17 seconds into the movie. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Um, yeah, no, there are, in this whole first section, there are, very, very few shots of this man and the auditor in the same shot together. There's like maybe one overhead shot, but otherwise it is just filmed like a just a straight up visual novel. Just a flat shot of the the character just staring more or less directly at you. <laughs> and it just bounces back and forth between them. Also, I feel I need to point out I am not joking when I say this. Every time the Stygian Inquisition draws someone into hell, a spooky slow cover of For Elise plays the Beethoven tune. It's like, that happens repeatedly in this movie. Okay. We're showing exactly how much I care about this. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't note that at all. There is a reason... I am the hostess on this one, if only to punish myself for these sins. I think it was you who made the joke that the instant I finished rewatching this film, I came down with a hellacious ear infection and was deaf for most of a week. So that was not me. I, 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 I may have thought it, but I didn't say it. All I'm saying is I think I pissed off the Cenobites with this one and I have suffered. But yeah, what I did say was uh, when we, when we were trying to record last week, I was just like, "This movie isn't worth it. <laughs> get, go get better." And I have. Uh, so uh, suddenly we're in Saw. Yeah, it's well, no, well, it's it's time for the audit. Ugh. Mister Watkins is now strapped into a wheelchair with devices around him. And the auditor is walking in, and he sits down at a desk with a typewriter. You, you are, again, well, now you're overselling how much stuff is in this room. It is shockingly empty. There's, like, one sink on the wall. There's a fireplace with some boxes on it, some hell boxes. <sighs> yes, the configurations. And... And then just exactly what you described is like wheelchair table done. Otherwise, just completely empty room. Uh, I will point out that the writer director who I did not name Gary J. Tunnicliffe uh, did describe that he used color grading to show what portion of hell characters were in at any given time. If you are in Cenobite territory, it is a nice cool blue. If you are in Stygian Inquisition territory, it is, and these are his words, piss yellow. Yes, it is. So just imagine everything we're describing under that. I, I, yeah, I noticed the color shifting. That was not subtle. It's just, it, it represents a certain level of hell is just like one of those, yeah, okay, sure. 
I believe you. Uh, we have briefly described the auditor. He is budget pinhead. He has nothing in him. His scars are jagged instead of geometric. Uh, when 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 uh when he turns on the lights, uh, what's his name, Mister Watkins, goes, Jesus Christ, and the reply is, oh, Heavens no, same city, completely different zip code. Yep. <sighs> if so many quips, just <laughs> hilarious little quips. That one actually worked for me. It's understated. It's one of the only ones I will praise. I I don't think I, I I don't think it was delivered particularly well. Like he the the actor is fine for the most part. Like it's a nothing character, but you, you know he's he's there to chew the scenery a little bit, and you know he's fine. You do know that is also Gary J. Tonicliffe, right? Didn't know. Yes. No. <laughs> I I did not really pay a whole heck. This movie has like six speaking roles in it. So let me reiterate, writer, director, auditor, all one man. Sure. He's he's fine in it, I guess. He did say that he told himself if he sucked in the role, he could always dub himself over. He did not. Uh, Also, he's wearing Butterball's glasses, and that sucks because Butterball isn't in this film. (laughs) Well, yeah, because this guy took his glasses. <laughs> yeah, what's he going to do? I can't see. We only actually get two Cenobites in this film, and the other one is a non-speaking role. It's very budget, but let me tell you, we have no less than six people from the Stygian Inquisition throughout this whole segment. You keep saying the Stygian Inquisition like this is a thing that they say in the movie. <laughs> Uh, I am a lore pervert, and I will be <laughs> letting my research go to use. Uh, so so anyway, uh, Watkins tells his his tale of his sins, and just sort of like uh, va- vaguely talking around really gross stuff about murdering children. Uh, he with something about little Courtney Redison. He couldn't help himself, but he was just trying to help. And then just straight from that to, I've never seen so much blood from a little creature. And it just sort of like does this like fade, fade between things, fade between cuts to establish a time lapse. And then it's time to meet the assessor who's going to assess his sins. We should also mention, which we did not, uh, the auditor's typewriter begins working by drawing the blood of those who he's typing from. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a red ink yep. because it's blood. Again, it's a whole saw contraption, this room. The assessor is the worst. Uh, he's just this, uh, this uh, <laughs> fat, he is a fat man. Uh, just extremely jittery throughout this whole business. He's just like constantly shaking and giggling to himself. And he pulls out like. Do you know who he is? Uh, 
John Gulliger. <laughs> the man behind the Feast trilogy of movies and Piranha 3 Double D, as well as one of the direct-to-video mm. Children of the Corn sequels. I, I I was I, I was about to say Piranha 3D was all right, but that's not that's not that movie. No, it's not. It's the sequel. Uh, so anyway, he's gross. Uh, he looks like fat jigsaw in an open bathrobe. Well, it's it's a it's a suit coat with absolutely no shirt. Uh, and so. You know, we we you get you get some of that if that's your thing, I guess. Uh, he has a little bottle, which I must insist that we discuss this little bottle. Oh, where, certainly. Which he he picks up, he sort of shakes, and he goes. So he it's he says it's the tears of children. No tears of children. <laughs> and then he pour he pours it on the audit and just starts eating it. Yes. Which is very scary. He fork and knife Dexter stabs the paper. It just it's so clearly someone who has never had to make this look like they're actually eating on film before. It's real wild. There's so many close-up shots of it. And it's just I'm just looking at this like am it's am I supposed to be scared? Am I supposed to be laughing? Because neither of those things are happening right now. Ah. <sighs> And then he pukes it into the sink. Yep. There is a flower vase with a tube sticking out that pumps into the wall. Hmm. And the auditor walks next door to that room, which... I don't know why you would put this in a second room, but what the heck. Because, because we can't have this many people on set at the same time. <laughs> That's probably truer than we know. These three women are the jury, who are a trio of topless ladies with they live alien faces. Yep. Uh they they do they they do not get names in the movie, so uh I'm just gonna go with uh let's see. Oh, what, what what were the names that came up with? There was Bobby, <laughs> uh Titania, mm -hmm. and Ma'am. <laughs> Ah, uh, da, da, da. They're, they're, yeah, they they're they're just they're they're just like models in thongs with weird pieces missing out of their face, mm -hmm. and they just lean over and just run their hands through the vomit. Hope you feel good about this role. Hope they paid well. They didn't, I'm sure. Guaranteed not. And they declare that Watkins is guilty, and the auditor walks back next door to inform him of such. Well, they also say, Calvin. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know who Calvin is. Was he, was he the, the the baby mask guy or like the, the gimp twink? Or someone else? I don't know, because I have the names of those characters, but... Neither of them are Calvin. Maybe it's a Calvinist hell. Sure. Hmm. Either way, Watkins is informed he is guilty and he is to be taken out, but he gets angry. What about my reward? You said you understood. You were a friend. This is your reward, friend. And he rips the cross off of Watkins and leaves. 
hard cut because we don't want to show how much effort it takes to get someone out of this weird wheelchair prop, <laughs> which probably broke at least once. And Watkins is suddenly strapped to an obsidian wood bench. This time, another naked woman walks in with a thurible before her whose smoke barely covers her lower bits. Yeah, well, I believe it's all, it was also three naked women and they were older. The, the, uh, I, th I thought for a bit, like, is this just the same women, but they, they're like, like they need to eat the flesh of people to stay young. No, that doesn't seem to be what's happening. Nope. We will not find out what's happening until later, but we do in time. So for now, let's just say that these three ladies teleport in. All of them do something to him in silhouette that looks like eating him, but it is not. And he overacts during the whole scene. They, it, they say they're cleaning him. Yep. Whatever that means. I'm definitely cutting in his overacting right here. So enjoy, folks. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> Meanwhile, we just cut over to Pinhead in the room from the Memorex commercials being like, God, my neighbors suck. He doesn't do anything, but we will use this footage at least three times in the movie. It kind of becomes a sort of um, procedural transition shot, like how you'll have yeah. just like car footage going from one scene to another in a cop drama. That's what this is. The outside of a house. Yeah. It's just every yeah. once in a while we cut over to Penhead's little goth reading room. Rem remember him? All right, <laughs> the... back to this. Yep. This time it's a, we get a big old fat man, uh, another big fat man, but like much taller. And he's got like a wooden baby mask on. It, and so I'm thinking, oh, he's the surgeon. But then he turns around and like another as I described, the gimp twink jumps yep. out and he's got blades and I guess he's the surgeon? He is. And, oh god, Ugh, this part is just so tacky. He uh, So he rips the man's skin off, sure, and then the, the, the blood pours down into the slab and then little pipes stick out of it where the young titty ladies are... Uh, hanging out and it just sprays all over their boobs mm -hmm. just bleh. cool it is impressive in the worst sort of way because there is no point to it i get the idea that like hell is violent and sexual that's just kind of a whole thing with this whole series but this is just like what if we just spray blood on their boobs? <laughs> it, it, which I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe there is some deeper meaning that was not apparent in the actual filming. Didn't seem like it. There's not. I looked. Okay. Good. Good. I'm glad you looked that up. I don't get the Stygian Inquisition 
as a whole, because the whole thing with the Cenobites is supposed to be they are zealots in hell. They have gone so far beyond pleasure that pain is what they crave as a release, as change from that. And so that's why they're sadomasochists. That's why they lean into what what do you desire and warping that. The Stygian Inquisition is supposed to be a warped sort of bureaucracy. There's a lot of paper and ritual and step by step by step. But after it gets to the jury, it just stops making any sense in that fashion because all of a sudden it's not very British men just doing British things with paperwork. It is now excretions and body horror question mark body stuff body stuff is a good word for it body related stuff (sighs) we tell you all this because 12 minutes literally 10 percent of the way in the auditor begins tip tip typing again and informs us dimension films did this to us yes the the opening credits are (sighs) never mind (laughs) They are. They are a three-minute sequence of the same burning paper gif just going through name after name after name. And it's very likely over half the cast and crew, even people you generally see in end credits, because it is clear padding. Multiple minutes into the sequence, we learned that Bob Weinstein was partially responsible for this, and it's definitely up there on his list of crimes. I I sincerely doubt Bob Weinstein did anything in like anything at all for this movie. It like he may have looked at in its direction once. I'm going to blame him because I'm petty. I'm sure that's fine. <laughs> but eventually we resume with a very drunk woman getting out of a cab and stumbling into totally not a hotel. It's an apartment full of candles. Yes, I I did. Uh, there, there were a few uh, a few a few rewrites uh, as we established that she is not a prostitute. And also, this is not a hotel. Oh, she's definitely walking to the front of a hotel. The outside is not an apartment. It's a very, very fancy apartment building, (laughs) which used to be a hotel. The apartment is full of candles, enough candles that even I was put to shame. Lousy with candles. 7,000 candles. And she's just like, Josh! (laughs) Yes! She didn't set these up, so she's like, my ex must have done this. And in about 10 seconds, she goes from get out here to yeah, fuck it, bone me, baby. To all right, never mind, get out. And what finally snaps her out of it is the dog is missing and the lights won't turn on and oops, clocked upside the head. Someone wants to make a lesson out of her. Cut to... Two Irish townies are driving around, and one says the other looks like shit, leading us to our not-so-subtle hint to Endgame when you ask, what did you do last night? The driver 
is uh, Big Cop. Sean Carter. And I'm just going to spoil it. He is also the murderer. I'm going to spoil it because wow. half of his dialogue in this film is just telling you if you have viewed this movie multiple times. Yes, I'm the murderer and I've been very open about it from scene one. I hate that I knew that watching this again. Eh. Uh, the passenger is his brother, David Carter. We will there's, call there's, him. Car- there's, there's a lot of foreshadowing in there that I could have picked up on if I cared, but I just didn't. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's, <laughs> just, no, no, no. I just can't with this one. I literally mean all of his dialogue is written in a oh, way I, that's supposed to be. It's clever. It's a confession if you know what oh, you're I looking know. for. But oh, I know. Yeah, I know. I, I don't I I don't want to get into it until we uh, we actually get to that part of the movie. But um, the de- decisive bit of evidence is kind of incredible. It's just oh, like yeah. The worst possible. Uh, it's just a complete like middle finger to anybody who enjoys detective fiction. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway so so the victim's name is crystal lanning and mm-hmm. uh big cop just goes i went out with a girl called crystal yeah and it was like a tale of two cities <laughs> his brother says explain that and all he says is read the book <laughs> like anybody reads that shit anymore which i <sighs> you know I I have not read all of A Tale of Two Cities or but like so I I just assumed there was some like okay-ish literary reference in there and then it turns <laughs> out no it just literally it just literally talking about it was the best of times it was the worst of times the the opening of the book the first sentence the first page yeah <laughs> uh, that's what that means so oh fantastic I'm gl- I'm so glad I wasted like a little bit of <laughs> God. <laughs> I can't have. <laughs> you think I hope, would be the hope, one having hope this that reaction. something uh, like hope that something clever was happening? I uh, just giving them credit in advance when it turns out they were deep in debt. I don't know. Yeah. So look, I I. (laughs) So, with this movie, the the like I said, the number of speaking roles is like barely half a dozen. There's Mm -hmm. uh, Pinhead, the auditor. Uh, what's his name at the start? I already forgot his name again. Watkins. Watkins. Uh. There's these two cops. We get one more cop. Uh, Lady oh, let's cop. see. They're uh, girl cop. Uh, the victim f- f- for like <laughs> one minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she she was talking, and then uh, there's the there's the one angel that shows up later. Jophiel. Yep. Uh, Sean's wife. Who is in like two scenes, two or three scenes? Mm-hmm. 
you have also missed the landlady, who is Heather Nancy Thompson Langenkamp. Yep, I'd, I'd, I'd seen that name in the opening credits, and then by the time she showed up, I'd just completely forgotten, and I didn't recognize her. So, cool. Good, good cameo. And of course, Mr. Tears of Children himself, okay. the assessor. And that so is like, all of the speaking roles. Yeah, so that's like 11. Yep. Most of them in a small handful of scenes. Never more than like two or three at once, really. Yeah. There's one scene that I am convinced the location is used because it is a public space that they could just film in without permits or with minimal permits. Mm-hmm. Because it's the only thing that explains anything about it. <laughs> uh, but the uh, the brothers head into Crystal's apartment and they're wondering if it's him. On the floor, she's been laid out under lights in a cross pose where I am a jealous god is written in blood on her rug. Yep, it's him. Her laptop has been left looping a TikTok of her saying, I worship this guy with a dog in her hands. Don't forget the credit cards laid across her eyes. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. That's <gasps> materialism. And as they're looking over this murder scene, this woman's voice just comes from out of nowhere going, this seems basic. And they instantly draw guns because they never noticed a third cop is here. Why, why, why did they not know there was another cop in there? Why, why, why does she have to prove that she's a cop? Yep. Like, to, to presume, like what, what, what was, she, was she living in the walls? Was she frogging? Like, I don't <clears throat> think so. <laughs> she's got a ba she's got a badge on her belt it's probably a cop ah uh, uh her name is christine edgerton lady cop and this is where she debuts a thing that pisses me off for the entire rest of the movie she never wears gloves at any crime scene seriously when the zoom-ins happen all the female hands will be ungloved the boys will at least have some props on Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. I I did the the look, the this movie and forensics accuracy again. Poor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh but yes, it's it's very basic. It's just it's it's, it's just like wouldn't the wouldn't the preceptor do more? <laughs> and and then it turns out oh, he he did do more. He stitched Crystal's do dog into her stomach? Yeah. Her body starts doing a little alien wiggle, and that's how they figure it out. Yeah, they hear a squelch. Uh, and it's just like something like, oh, the dog was her baby, so he put it into her womb. Yeah, okay. Whatever. <laughs> also, this dog has just been alive and silent inside its owner for about 24 hours. That's a thing. Maybe it was unconscious. Then it heard, like, the cops running around and yelling at each other. <laughs> Ta -da. So, we then cut from here to the office, which serves as the entire police department for the whole movie. <laughs> okay, but the, the, the establishing shot, which uh, we see at many different times of day, and sometimes with the characters in it, 
mm-hmm. is just the side of the building that just says police department. Yep. And uh, the the office is just like it's it's uh, the curtains are down. It's poorly lit. My favorite part is much like how they work at police department. Their door simply reads detectives. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the only two detectives on this case, which uh, is a serial killer that has now killed 14 people in eight different incidents. Mm-hmm. And they, they've got two cops on it. He kills people in the theming of the Ten Commandments. So that last one was, of course, thou shalt have no God before myself. Uh, the only I, I, w- I, I was somewhat upset when I realized that one, it's commandment themed and two, we're already at number eight. Yeah, like that's only- not how you structure this. The only prior one we will hear about is that he did thou shall not lie by killing two married lawyers, ripping their tongues out, and making their son drink a smoothie made out of the tongues? And then they add laced with bleach, of course. (laughs) Of course. It's... But yeah, um, girl cop. She uh, she had two years in forensics, I think. Yep. And so, then so she's here to help, and definitely nothing else. Uh, um. And the, the little cop tells her that you know, big cop takes these killings personally. After he leaves because he's late for his wife's birthday. <laughs> yeah, which that's weird it's like mid-afternoon mm-hmm. and he he shows he shows up okay he shows up at home with like a couple of flowers yep and she's super drunk chain smoking over a cake and she's like i don't even like carnations i'm going to bed it's it as far as we can tell it's like 5 p.m yeah but like many rooms in any house or building in this movie all of the lights and windows and shutters are drawn so it looks like he's arrived at midnight i did think the one of the lights was a window but it was not it was like it was just kitchen light Mm -hmm. so the next day we're gonna cover the case from the ground up we're gonna catch lady cop up to speed which, how does she not know all of this? How has she not heard any of this? <laughs> like, nobody knows all of this stuff about the case? Like, they're just wandering around with no oversight or anything? Uh, yes, because they are in the detective's office. I know, I know. So, we learned that the guy leaves long letters every time, uh... Too long, really, but we've just discovered one in Crystal, and the only bit we hear is, the irony is that when people hear of this killing, they will say, oh, poor dog, rather than feel for the vacuous vessel in which I chose to store it. And you know, you got me. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. At this point, we discovered that the name, the preceptor, comes from the Old Testament, where a precept was a teacher. 
You keep you keep saying these things like they're cool. I keep saying <laughs> these things with all the gravitas that the writer wanted you to think of them. Sure. I'm so the look, Gary. I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I didn't like your movie. Gary, I also didn't like your movie, but I do hope you get to do your strange Stygian Inquisition uh, spinoff sometime that you keep pitching. I want to see what that looks like. I hope you get some money to make a movie at some point. Yeah. And if not, I hope they keep you on. You did some good makeup, man. (laughs) So our only two kills remaining are Thou Shalt Not Steal and Thou Shalt Not Covet. Montage of police work. We are doing the obvious filler phase of this. Here is the thing. You might be noticing what we are all describing right now is nothing to do with hell. Yeah. This this is this is a fairly common theme in Hellraiser past like four. It's true, but we're not even lacing in anything in this. Usually you might see, oh, a puzzle box. Oh, this guy's into some weird shit. Oh, look at this guy's search history. This is just an entirely different cop drama playing out with a cast who have nothing to do with our opening. We could have watched seven. <sighs> anyway, there's the. So after our time lapse of mystery solving, uh, <laughs> the subtitles at one point say strident music playing as a there's a, a stock sounds of a woman screaming i had it down as bootleg ministry sure uh there's close-ups of a hacksaw and there's like blood in into jars and he's pulling out teeth and yeah that's that's all there is to it it's it's a murder and then there's then there's, they're already at the crime scene Yep. The next day, we are at a playground because you can film here easily if you just, like, run interference from parents. Yeah, this crime scene is... (laughs) This crime scene is some Dexter shit. This is explicitly some Dexter shit. (laughs) We are at Kids First Park, and there is a body on top of the slide. But it's not just one body... It's a bunch of hands around a bunch of jars. The hands are all clutching different things, like eyeballs and teeth. Yep. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. (laughs) And nearby on a fence, someone has helpfully spelled out the word thieves in missing children posters. So uh, 26 minutes in, we replay the same pinhead footage from earlier. This time there are no screams over it. And we hard cut to evidence. We've looked up all four of the victims. They were 13 to 15, teenage girls who had records of petty theft. Murder and dismemberment seems extreme, even by biblical standards. But what do I know? Oh, and uh, we, 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 we also mentioned the 12th uh, character, which we forgot. It was Hodges, the medical examiner. Who appears in one scene later. Right, right. I did forget Miami Vice Coroner. Yes. Speaking of characters who came right out of Dexter. <laughs> uh, so the hands were cut off while they were alive. Oh, no. And ejected with epoxy to make them stay in position. So thanks for that, YouTube. Look what you did. 
anyhow, uh, 27 minutes in, David is named, and he begins doing some Batman 66 shit right here. Because all the women who were killed, including Crystal and others off screen, went to one school where Wilkins jerked off once and got a restraining order against him. So we're going to look him up. <laughs> this is not the worst connection that they make in the movie, by the way. This is not the, this is not the biggest stretch. No, I do love Sean going, what the hell are you even talking about right now, man? <laughs> this is so far afield. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fine. The landlady let him in, so. Yep. No problems. Because <laughs> she hates that cocksucker is her exact, more or less her exact words. Oh, I think it's a direct quote. <laughs> is he in there? Probably not, or he's real cold. I cut the power and heat a day or two ago, and I ain't seen him in a week. And that was, that's, that's weird, because later we, c we come back to the apartment and there is power. Like, she turned the power on later, so I don't know why... They they went through with that other than to make the scene seem creepier, I guess. My dude lives in one of those basement pictures from people playing Dark Souls underneath the earth. Yeah, there there are no there are absolutely no windows. A couple of clown photos and porno mags laying around too, just for extra atmosphere. Okay, I one wish of that was the, a joke. The porno mag did make me laugh. Uh, the bottoms up, and it had a. It, you know, a butt and uh, a bunch of like, you know, those sub tag sub headlines on it. Let's see. A uh, big, bouncy, beautiful buns. The hmm. B spot going there, <laughs> getting to the bottom of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. The B spot. I'm... Yes, the B. I wonder what the B spot could be. Oh. <laughs> Uh, also an issue of Playpen that has the best jugs. You know, you don't want subpar jugs. You might only buy one Playpen a year. If, if it's got a funny porno mag on the screen, I'm going to report it on this podcast. <laughs> I, would, I want to say you can't give me crap for lore diving, but you, you still can. I... I I, I I just had to pause the movie for like 20 seconds. Yeah, you still win. I win. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. The only thing we see of interest while it's in the dark is he has some papers about the preceptor killings. And so later on, Sean will leave and go back to the place because something's bugging me. The landlady turned the power on for him. And thus he comes right back. Yeah, like we don't even we don't even have we have like one scene of them coming back to the office and then he just goes right back. And um, these these two brothers are barely in a scene together for the whole rest of the movie. Now that Lady Cops here, you get the sense that maybe the reason they're so bad at this job is a because one person is the killer and is stymieing them. But B. Maybe it's that they're just running their fucking errands all day instead of actually doing work. I don't know. I got to go out and like buy the dog a cake. Dog birthday. They they clearly are not good at this. Yeah. Though um 
it, it is kind of funny because uh, we don't actually see the landlady again when he goes back. He just opens the door and yells, thanks for turning the power on. Yeah. Yeah. We only got one scene of Heather Langenkamp. That's it. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we found her on the studio and said, hey, <laughs> would you like to be in our movie? And she said, how much are you going to pay me? Okay. Craft services? All right. So the power being on means the laptop instantly comes on, which was in no way password protected because that's not a thing that uh, porno addict guys do. I don't think it was plugged in either, but. Yep. However, looking through. It, it imme- like immediately opens up to underage teen extreme. Just, just right there. That's his homepage. Yeah. D- don't make. <laughs> it's a bad homepage. It's a terrible homepage, but you know what? It definitely beats some things I've seen in computer repair joints. That's all I'm saying. I used to work at Fry's. That's bad. That's real bad. It's incredibly bad. I was more referring to, like, if you get your computer infected with malware and it hijacks your homepage, but you've okay. got a point. Sure. This this <laughs> this does not seem to be a malware situation. Uh, but if he closes that tab, he instantly sees a map search for 55 Ludovico Place. So that's the lead. Time to go get audited. And he doesn't even get mugged and dragged inside. It's just slow fur release plays again. He gets a bad split screen effect over him and suddenly he's in the chair. Yeah, th- this is another one of those scenes where they just talk to so- to somebody who is standing behind a door because they couldn't get them both in the scene at the same time. I kind of wonder if they didn't just do, and it makes sense why, all of the auditor scenes in one or two days just because of how much of a nightmare that makeup probably is. Sure. But it also does make it very silly. I mean, when we're... When we're in this next scene, like I'm specifically talking like him approaching the house from the outside. Like once we are inside, they are actually both filming in the same room. Oh, yeah. For for like once. (laughs) I just mean it would explain a lot of how this guy constantly gets his own shots over and over and over. Anyway, he he wakes up and he goes, "Okay, I've been kidnapped. Uh, you're going to ask me questions and I'm in a painful, quote, a painful, possibly fatal situation, the agenda of which you'll soon tell me. And the auditor is just like, okay, well, you're being very open about this. So you know what? This works for everybody. Thank you. We usually get a lot of what the hell is this? I want to know about the preceptor. Fascinating. We also wish to ask you the same thing. So uh, this is where we finally hear Sean's first name, 31 minutes in, and he asks about the puzzle boxes on the mantle. As a reward for cutting the scaredy crap, the auditor explains them. They are judgment and sensation to those who open them, linking and rebirth, away between our world and yours, death, love, hate, all sorts of emotions, a conduit to the unimaginable. And then a litany of Sean talking about 
being a veteran and committing atrocities in Iraq and other assaults. The time he hit his pet dog when he was four. Yeah, exactly. Uh, animal abuse as a kid. Like, we cut through his much faster than Wilkins's, but like, he has 12 pages or so by the time he's. It's very visibly thick. And so the auditor is thrilled. He was so cooperative. He's like, well, they they have a little back and forth where uh, I I don't remember which one says what, but one of them goes Ecclesiastes three seventeen, the other goes Deuteronomy twenty one nine. Yes, because Sean says that only God can judge me, and they're just trading religious barbs for a moment. And so the assessor arrives, and he is very giddy at this, but halfway through eating. He starts choking and bleeding, and it's <laughs> the auditor comes back in, and his face is like, "What the fuck?" This the the gunk the gunk that he is vomiting up is just like dark black. Yeah, and he's he, he goes and he's barfed up over to the titty ladies who are also all barfy, and yeah, it's 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 so it's so sinful. Yep. Just so much sin. Hmm. Yeah. Wonder what's that wonder what that's about. No. That that's what that's a, that's definitely one of those if I cared at all about the identity of the preceptor, like there we go. Yep. <laughs> but I I didn't, so I just I just noted it. I was just like, yeah, whatever. Cause I I kind of forgot it's a mystery, I guess. Cause it's it's so bad. Well, you have no clues. But, and yet we have all the clues that we need. Ugh, no we don't. Uh. I've seen it twice, no. But at this point, we are interrupted because bells begin chiming. And the auditor heads down a hall going, no, it can't be. And it's now fully lit with white. At this point, an unnamed angel, who we will later find out is Joffiel, tells the auditor, just because it falls into the spider's web does not make it your prey. Let him go. I had to look up uh, the the cast list to find her name because the subtitles could not figure it out. Huh. It, was, it was just like weird, fra- weird off phrases that kind of sound like Jophiel. <laughs> but... She gives no reason and says, let him go. The jury gave no verdict, so release him. And as we're having this discussion in the hallway, Sean has been teleported onto the altar anyway, but the cleaners, the round women from earlier, are now shown what they do. They did not eat Mr. Wilkins. They instead lick him, strip you down and lick you. And then they drool into a jug. And we hear that you've got to be clean on the inside, too. So they pour the spit jug down his throat. It is, I will say, one of the more viscerally upsetting scenes in the movie in a way that works. I guess. I I just thought it was kind of gross. Look, it lands a lot better than, you know, the titty blood from the first guy i mean yes but what doesn't (laughs) fair 
that's definitely a low point of film. You just, I'm sorry, but when you if if you're just bla- blasting blood onto some naked boobs, like you've you've abandoned all uh, all subtlety. So yes, yes, the them spitting into a jar and then pouring it into his mouth. Yes, it was more effective than that. Sure, I'll give you that. All right. I'm trying to find the positive amidst this shit sandwich, these lovely nuggets of corn. But I but I don't have to because I didn't pick this movie. <laughs> yes, yes, you're not the Hellraiser fangirl. I get it. Yeah, yeah, I hate Hellraiser. That's right. That's how we that's how we started this. Me talking about no, no, how no. much I think Hellraiser is garbage. You're not the one who will cite random facts. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, the assessor, just looking like a real nerd, walks into Pinhead's goth room. And the chatterer, the only other Cenobite in the movie, is about to fuck him up, but Pinhead just gives a no. So, in full younger brother mode, assessor's like, okay, so so maybe I was... Maybe I was talking some shit, but you you are older and um an angel just came down here and told me to let a guy go. What is going on? It's the auditor, not the assessor. I don't know why I wrote assessor in my notes. The auditor. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The, the, the assessor would just be like. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Pinhead. you know what? You know what? I actually kind of want to see a pinhead assessor scene now. <laughs> that would be <laughs> it would be complete farce but I'd have fun with it where do you think he gets his children's tears <laughs> anyhow they they go down they're gonna go check on Sean he has slipped out of his restraint fucked up the ladies and he stole a puzzle box and escaped Pinhead just looks around and says we don't really have to go anywhere. He's going to come back to us. And and he uh, takes a piece of the uh, a small piece of the confession, the audit, and uh, just uh, and he uh, eats it as if he is uh, taking communion. Yeah, nothing comes of this, but it's an no. interesting gesture. It's it's it, no, nothing comes of many things. It's that's fair. It, it, is, it is worth it, it, it is just it is just religious symbolism. Yep. And it was there and I saw it. So. Sean is driving like a madman back in reality, looking panicked as hell. He just broke out of hell after getting licked halfway to whatever. And he calls up his brother and meets him under a water tower at 2.30 a.m. and goes, you got your gun and flashlight, and then drives him back to the house. It doesn't explain anything. Yeah, he is not speaking this whole time, and it's an abandoned house. There's there's nothing in there, there's no hell, nothing. Not even one titty lady. Yep. So, after going through the whole place without saying a word, David confronts his brother outside, and he's like, Look, man, you barely talk to me anymore, you drag me outside in the middle of the night, Allison is worried about you, oh, you'd know that, is the first thing he is, any response. And my my what I wrote here was, are the cops cucking each other? And they are. Yeah, it turns out. Yeah. 
That's kind of that's kind of exactly what's happening. Yeah. So at home in front of a bunch of candles, Sean just drinks in the dark and he pulls out the box. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. Because my man just climbs into bed all whiskey dicked up and starts having hell nightmares after that. But this time, it's the Cenobites, not the Inquisition babes. So he wakes up screaming, and this gets his wife in the mood? Well, there's uh, a part, part of the dream. There were uh, like two of them were holding a mask and like doing cartwheels over to him. And yeah. so they 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 put the mask onto his face, which he doesn't like. And then uh, d- d- was it the chitter, chatterer, chatterer, d- chat did d- the d- guy. Um, <coughs> I don't know if that will pick up after I do <laughs> noise gate. Anyway, uh, so he has a steaming cup of something and just pours it on his face, and that's when he wakes up screaming. Yep, it's it's a it's like. It's an attempt at a hell dream. I don't know. It's fine. But again, the weirdest part of the scene is definitely that he screams and wakes up his wife and she immediately gets on top. Yeah. And then, then they fuck. Yeah. Or well, they're about to or something. And then he they're just kind of in the middle. Then he just kind of throws her off and just leaves with the vodka. Yep. Because she Cenobites out in his vision. Yeah, he barely pulls on pants, and he's now just wandering the streets with a bottle of hooch. And he gets mugged, has visions of the Stygians. There's a guy there, and then he's a skinless guy. And then he, he like, there's a dead goat. My, my notes started getting incoherent around here. <laughs> oh, no. Pretty much all we need is he gets mugged. And, uh... And hell stuff. Yeah. So the next day, David and Christine are at the office, and they're like, what in the fuck? Christine's going, well, you know, this case is pretty fucked up, so that's probably what's doing a number on him. At this point, if David were a better detective, he would probably realize Christine is totally internal affairs. But no. Mm. She does, in fact, have to confess... Everyone knows your brother is really fucked up. I'm basically here to find out how much so. Uh, Allison, Sean's wife, calls and interrupts this and goes, his car, and uh, we don't hear the other side of it, but David says, his car broke down. Gotta go pick him up. And Christine's like, why did he not call you then? So he is fucked up and bloody on his own back porch next to a bottle. And while Sean showers, David flips open his copy of A Tale of Two Cities, and he just, he's highlighted <laughs> two sentences from the opening paragraph. It was the season of darkness. It was the winter of despair. It's like, and this cracks the case. <laughs> no, 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 this, this is not what cracks the case. This, it, oh, it's stupider than that. It's a, it, it, it's a, it's a, a thing that causes him to show concern because the, the phrase that was highlighted was also in the preceptor's note. Mm-hmm. And like two, uh, 
when they after a bit they uh they confront him about it and he's like yeah i highlighted it cuz he said it it was in the it was it was in the note i did cuz it's you know it's a popular book i recognized it but couldn't find any other quotes <laughs> it's 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 charles dickens what do you want from me yeah but uh you know Sean rolls up in his own car despite having been drinking like 20 seconds and a shower earlier. You know, it's it's a movie. If when you shower, you are sober. Done. God, don't I wish. But they get a call because they need to investigate a phone. Crystal Lanyard's phone, which someone shoved into her throat. Christine and Sean are going to leave. And David is going to look around and investigate at the office while they're out. Yeah, and he, he, at this point he's going, I'm not investigating my brother. And this is where I realized, oh, that thing with where they like, like they mentioned a, uh, in the car. It was like, what's on your mind, your brother? And I was like, is his brother like one of the previous victims or something? It didn't connect at all until this. Yeah. Uh, there's more. There, like you said, you said there was like one line when they introduced Girl Cop, but I just, yep, I didn't hear that, and there's like nothing else. <laughs> Again, this script has problems. Multiple characters and groups just aren't named. Sometimes at all, but uh, the drive over is just another case of nothing but all Sean's dialogue being confessions. Do you think you're too close to this case? Probably, but it's my work. This is tearing your world apart. Well, we're this close to the end. Only one commandment left, right? Gotta see it through to the end. It's like, okay, yes, we get it. You're the killer. And the coroner, who, as we mentioned, is incredibly Miami Vice, wearing just this loud tropical shirt is chilling and there was a silver spoon in her mouth and her phone in her throat. But uh, our guy's old fashioned. Turns out the GPS app was on. She wasn't killed at the apartment either. They start looking real nervous like, yeah, I can give you the address that uh, she was at while he was probably doing the surgery. You can look it up. So, yeah, this is how that works. Yep. Yep. Oh, and also, uh, it's an iPhone 7, and uh, quote, uh, direct quote, one of the kids here has the same model, so we managed to power the thing up. <laughs> I missed that line. <sighs> so they are at... This is supposed to be a warehouse, but it is really just an alley we can film in that has a couple of doors. And so Sean calls it in, but he's going full bad cop here. Christine wants to do it by the book. He's like, I don't know. I think I hear a struggle in there. We better bust in and check. It takes a long time for her to catch on. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly thick, but, you know, 80 minutes and we're just padding whatever we can. So they start wandering through this abandoned warehouse set. Ratsound.wave begins playing over and over. And finally, they head to the rooftop where the kill room is. Yes, the, the full-on crazy person room. There's clippings and notes and Pepe Sylvia string. Yeah, 
pictures of all the victims with their eyes cut out. And at the end, there's this curtained photo. <laughs> and what's behind the what's behind the photo? Oh, it's David coveting his neighbor's wife. They they took yeah specifically his brother's wife, and like he, he, just a a, a mid <laughs> just a a uh oh god my vocabulary is dying tonight uh. Just a nice infidelity selfie. <laughs> infidelity. Nope, I fucked self, it up. Self selfidelity. There you go. Ah, uh, so Sean just cold cocks her, and then he just beats her into the ground. And it's pretty clear you're supposed to think she's dead right here. She's not, yeah. but she's not, but it's it's really a coin flip. Yeah. And so David comes to the scene solo. And when he gets upstairs, the metal music is blaring again. And Sean just gives up the game immediately, pulls a gun on his brother. But it's like, why are you here? Well, you dropped this random Bible quote. So that's what tipped me off. Yes. Sean, Sean quoted the Bible. And I can't do this with their names. It's big cop quoted the Bible, and then Little Cop went over and Googled the phrase, and the Google result said preceptor. Uh, it had the word preceptor in it, therefore he's the killer. Check and mate motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Done. <laughs> See you in court. This is even dumber because he expected David to come. And that's why he already called Allison, because these two are going to be the kill for Covet. Yeah, well, he, he had to accelerate the timetable because they found the they found the cell phone in her throat. Mm hmm. Uh, one amazing line here. You're a plague of smartphone junkies. I loathe the modern world. I loathe the populace. If I had the ways and means, I would incinerate them all, rain down fire and sulfur. And so with his brother and his wife on the ground, on their knees, held at gunpoint, he throws them the lament configuration and says, open it now together. And we get the chains descending. We do the greatest hits, the thing that happens every time someone solves this box. The, the pillars, the pillars with faces and stuff. Yep. But we're all in hell, and this time it's Pinhead's room. Yeah, so. I, I'm pretty sure any like there was maybe one shot with our characters in the background with the uh, the pillars. I'm pretty sure it was a composite. Uh, yeah, there. There is no there is no new footage of these uh these pillars. It's all that shit from the end of the first movie. Uh and just all the all it is is just a big empty room with a bunch of chains. Yep. And that's it. That's that's hell. We're in hell. And also the auditor has showed up and is cowering behind Pinhead like an annoying younger brother talking shit while the big bro is doing actual tough guy stuff. He's here this whole scene. Mm -hmm. 
So Sean goes, yeah, I came to you and I brought these two. I want to trade them to you. You have these sinners and I go free. And Pinhead's like, yeah, we don't do that shit, man. These are now mine and my boy here gets you. And and also like bad trade. Yeah. Uh, my my favorite pinhead line. Their their sins are crap. Yes. Silence. Your pitiful adultery is beneath me. Bow your head to the catalog of filth your brother has created. <laughs> and he just waves a hand, and those two vanish from the movie. <laughs> yeah. There they go. That's what you get for cheating, I guess. Yep. Ah. So, all of a sudden, Jophiel and Heaven re-enter the film. And Pinhead has put together two and two here, and the two of them just have this discussion, and, oh yeah, no, it's totally cool that he's doing this. God hates sinners, but making people scared in his name, well, that's good. That works in the modern world. But <laughs> Sean's just like, yeah. That's great. I knew it. I'm doing his work. And Joe feels like, oh, no, these guys totally get you when you die. It's just right now you're, you know, we're going to let you off the hook. No, no box. And Sean empties his clip uselessly at the two of them. And Pinhead smiles because he put everything together how he expected. And per Jophiel's instruction, the human is shoved back to Earth. And Christine just stands up and unloads a clip into him. <laughs> it's so good. I just, I, I, I just, I just, I'm so bored by this point in the movie. Yeah. I just, uh, it's just, uh, just, just big empty room and people are just like, just walking around just being like, I'm the coolest. No, I'm the coolest. And it's just, and it's, I, I just can't care. It's fair, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, because P Pinhead, P Pinhead's like, I'm the best. I know all about human behavior, so I knew she was going to kill him immediately and get and get him. And uh, Joe Joe feels just uh, it's something like you're gonna suffer for this. And Pinhead's like, Great, I'm the hell guy. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, tell God to pick on the ultimate masochist. Sure, that'll do wonders. <laughs> so. He mimics the end of the original film, yep. hooks her up on the chains, and we get one final fucking callback because her last words are Jesus wept. It's nowhere near as good. No, she says it in an actual reverent tone as opposed to that delicious delivery at the end of the first film. And it's just... And she dies. Or, or something. The auditor... It's just like, maybe you should not have done that. She is the angel who banished them from Eden. Perhaps there is a torment we cannot endure. And suddenly, there's footage of clouds, and a makeupless pinhead is on Earth looking like a baby Grant Morrison in a leather jacket in an alley. And his final words are, The sweet suffering! The sweet suffering! No! And we go to credits. What a movie. Did you watch The Stinger? Oh, I did. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't I don't know what the point of that was, that Stinger. 
There's nope. Some, it's 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 Germany. It's Hanover, Germany. There are two Mormons. They approach the house, and the audit, and they 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 go in, and it, it's clearly more hell stuff. And the auditor just says two, and it isn't even a Tuesday. And we don't even see anything. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's it. There's nothing. There's no money left. Yep. That's Hellraiser Judgment. So. It's just, it's all, it's just people standing around in empty rooms. Uh, occasionally there's like some weird vomit or nudity. Or, or like <laughs> rubber hands in that one case. Uh. They never said the phrase Stygian Inquisition once in this movie. Nope. In fact, they also don't name the cleaners in the film. Um, they don't name the, I guess, the butcher and whatever is carrying the butcher. Yeah, there were supposed to be like three other things in his original script that got cut for budget. He really goes into how he had this whole plan for the cosmology. It's a thing. Again, I hope he gets to make it someday. Tunnicliffe, I'm rooting for you, bud. I didn't like Hellraiser Judgment. <laughs> oh. it, was, it wasn't even... It, I, I, it just... It, it takes this... The, this thing that was just... Uh, Hellra the original Hellraisers were just like this really cool, weird, unique thing. And then it is. This is just like a bog standard direct to video zero budget thing with like occasional callbacks and biblical references. And I just, I, I, I just did. I didn't appreciate it at all on any level. I was much angrier watching it than I was recording this because I love talking about an absolute piece of shit it's when i'm most in my element the 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 solution to the mystery being oh he 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 quoted the bible once he's the killer is wow yep it, that's just that that's just not like you sh don't even don't even start a mystery if that's the solution <laughs> just let 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 it be just just sh have it show just show him killing people from the start and just just get that over with maybe that would be more interesting probably again cutting out that whole initial scene or maybe tying it in having it be one of the victims who doesn't know why they're there would probably be a better build but with that I relinquish control. You are the host again, my friend. What are we doing next time? Okay, so... I think... It would be fair to say... That we are both Stephen King fans. Yes! Uh, you've read more of his early works. I've read more of his recent works. And between us, we've both read, like, a whole lot. Oh, yeah. So, you know, 
very popular author. A lot of uh, a lot of adaptations of his works in films, and you know, a lot of them are like le- legitimate classics. Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, like uh, Stand by Me, Shawshank Redemption, uh, The Shining, Misery. The list, there, there, it's a long list, and a lot of them are excellent. And you know, you just you, even if even if uh, old Stevie. Old Uncle Steve didn't necessarily like all of them himself. You know, there's some there's some really good movies in there. Oh yeah. And sometimes they get sequels. Okay. So we're gonna watch The Rage, Carrie 2. Oh man, I haven't revisited this one since the mid-90s. Okay, sold. Okay, yeah. Um I watched I, I watched about a minute of it just to, you know make sure that it wasn't like unwatchable uh and it is it, what i saw was like the most 90s thing i've watched in a very long time yeah i i <laughs> did not expect it to be quite that 90s uh so yeah it's it is a uh, it, it's Carrie again but a different character it's d- d- another a, another girl with telekinesis who has high school troubles and then it goes bad. I am absolutely on board. Let's do this. All right. Let me, you know, let me just look up the unofficial synopsis or something. <laughs> uh, its plot follows the younger half sister of Carrie White, also suffering with telekinesis who finds that her best friend's suicide was spurred by a group of popular male classmates who exploited her for sexual gain. And that's the rage, Carrie, too. Uh, so I have looked... Uh, si- since I decided to to have this be the next movie, we've had some delays due to uh, uh, the holidays and sickness and uh, mm-hmm. such. Um it was on Amazon Prime and like Tubi and some other stuff, and then uh, over the new year it lapsed uh, on all of that. Last I checked, it is available for free on um, YouTube Movies. Okay. I, I haven't checked like today, but this was this was this year, so hopefully that should still be up. Worst case, I can get a DVD of this for three bucks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Hellraiser Judgment really just rips all thought out of my brain. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully some d- some dumb shit that uh, is a little more fun will, uh, will bring us bring me back. Look, Zachary Ty Bryan is in this movie. We're gonna have something dumb. <laughs> And we will uh, catch you next time. (laughs) Goodbye.